Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. But I got, wow, 19 minutes. Wow. I, I, I uh, performed a funeral on Friday for my cousin, actually, but my dad's cousin, one of the last of them. And I was talking to that family. Uh, they were telling me about Levada Lee. Some of you are from Kansas and you don't understand. It's Levada Lee and Ronald Lee and Otika Joe. We, we don't go by one name in Oklahoma. We have strings of names, you know. And so LaVeda Lee went home be at the Lord, and I was sitting with the family. We were talking about how, how she loved to go out in the yard and pull weeds up out of the yard. I said, she what? Yep, she loved to pull weeds out of her front yard. My, gra- my grandmother would go sit in the front yard and pull weeds out. of the. And, and LaVeda Lee loved playing board games, but she cheated. <laughs> now listen, this is a woman that wore a bun, never owned pants in her life. She's a holy lady, but she cheated at board games. She, we always knew LaVeda Lee was going to win, you know. And so they were talking about how she's a great lady, but she cheated at board games and uh, how much of a prankster it was. And uh, my grandmother cheated at every game we ever owned. We got to talking about how it must be in the genes, right, that you go pull weeds out of somebody's yard or that you cheat at checkers. And um, uh, how do you cheat at checkers? You say, close your eyes. How my grandmother did it. And then we got to talk about how faith is past, and that there's these things that are past. Uh, you need to hang out with people that have a heritage. And a, uh, I'm fumbling around here trying to figure out where to where to jump. How about go to John chapter one, and I'll I'll shorten this down this morning. I'm I'm convinced that we need to live in the power of the resurrection. I'm convinced that you need to know the story of the resurrection before you even start reading the Bible. Because if you try to read the Bible intellectually or rationally or even theologically, you'll miss it if you don't know that He is risen. And that He has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that when we are baptized into Him, we are baptized into that resurrection. John chapter 1, let me do this and see how far we get. Verse 35, And again the next day John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked. Say, as he walked. Do you know you can tell a lot by the way people walk? You ever ever watch somebody walk in the room and went, As he watched Jesus walking, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Say, Behold the Lamb of God. Other synoptic gospels will say, Who takes away the sin of the world. He doesn't cover it up, he takes it away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you want? What do you seek? I, I, behold the Lamb of God that takes away that man. How many of you know, you know you sin. You need somebody to do something with it. You've been working on your sin all your life. You really have this hope that somebody can come and free you from the stuff that's been side. See, we have all kinds of programs to try to help people stop sinning. But the truth of the matter is, your help has to come from heaven. His name is Jesus. And Jesus can come and fix the stuff that's been, and they followed him. What do you want? Well, where are you at? Wherever you're at, Jesus, that's where I want to be. And they said to him, 
where are you staying? And he said to them, Come see. And they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour, it was late in the day. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Say Andrew. Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon. This is interesting to me. The first response of Andrew is go get a brother. The first response of this man that found Jesus was to go get a brother and say, you got to know what I know. You got to know who I know. You see, evangelism is the first response of coming to Christ. Evangelism is not a program. It's not going on. Evangelism is just this heart. I have found the one that loves me. I want you to know him too. See, if people don't want to share Christ, they don't have him. Because to have Christ is to share Christ. And Andrew went and found his brother Simon. The word Simon means shifty, shifty, unstable. If you got a brother that's unstable, he needs the Christ. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And they brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. And you will be called Peter, which is translated the stone. This is so interesting. We have found the Christ. And the minute that Christ meets this unstable individual, he said, I'm going to make you stable. You see, when you meet Jesus, it will bring stability into your life. We have found the Christ, the Christ, the word Christ. We don't use that word Christ except in when we swear. We don't. The word Christ is not the last name of Jesus. The word Christ in the Hebrew is Messiah, the promised one. But in English it means the anointing. The anointing. That, that's, that rubbed on, smeared on, you can smell it. That rubbed on is to pour on. It's to take from another and put it on or in someone else. This is the one that is the anointing. And Isaiah says that the anointing oil breaks yokes off your neck. It breaks burdens. It moves mountains. It walks on water. You see, when you take the anointing and you put it on a man or a woman, extraordinary things happen. When you take the anointing and put him on, a, on Elijah, he outruns chariots, calls down fire. When you put the anointing up on David, he can kill a lion, a bear, and a Goliath. When you take the anointing and you put it on Samson, he can take the jawbone of a donkey and he can kill a thousand men. When you take the anointing and put it on a fisherman, he no longer fishes, he walks on the water. When you take the anointing, the X factor of heaven, and you unite heaven with man, when the Word becomes flesh, all of a sudden you begin to see what you and I were supposed to be. We were supposed to be people that walked in this Christ, in this anointing, this, this place where heaven and earth comes together, how God became one of us that we could see this anointing. We have found the anointing. We found the difference maker. We have found the one that will set us free. We have found the one that will release all the potential inside of us. I have preached this for years. Preached it my entire life. Because I have watched that indescribable presence walk into the room. Unseen, but then would sit on. Unseen, and yet would manifest through. I've watched them as they reached up and grabbed things off of people's neck and threw them on the floor. I've watched them as there was, no, there was no color in that eye. It was all white and that color came back. I've watched them as those legs that were crippled straightened out. I've watched it. Not a lot in America because we're too smart for our own good. 
We think that it's all medical science. We think that we're in control of it. But I have watched in particularly places of underdeveloped rationalistic medicine where the power of God would come and that would happen. But it's hard for 320 million people in America to recognize. And today you have a lot of churches, about 75% of them, that don't even believe that even exists. But he is the same. He did it then, he'd do it now. And to live without that anointing, in my opinion, is to live well below what you're supposed to be living in. And I have discovered over the last few years of my life that the anointing will reveal the lies that you've told yourself. The anointing will come and deliver you from those limiting belief systems, those ideas that have become an idol. How many of you know if you, if you get too ideological, you'll become an idol worshiper? If you get focused on your idea, your thought, your opinion, then that, that opinion and your idol, and you'll find yourself fighting for that opinion because it's an idol in your life, and you have to tear that down. You have to realize maybe you're not as smart as you thought you were, smarty pants. Maybe you didn't have it altogether. The anointing comes to reveal those ideas, thoughts, patterns, belief systems, idols in our lives that have limited us from experiencing the victory of God in our lives. I love it when the anointing comes because it begins to make us question some of the things that we thought we had settled. The first sermon I ever preached was about Yehu. Anybody here know who Yehu is? J-E-H-U. It's found in the book of Kings. And I love, I grew up with a bunch of Okies and they'd say, he drives like a wild Am I the only one who knows that? Am I, I feel sorry for you if you're from Kansas or Nebraska because you probably don't get it. But for an Oki like me, there's always a he drive like some wild Yehu. And I never knew where that come from. And then I discovered the story in the Bible where Yehu, the captain of, Yehu is sitting there and Elisha, say Elisha, you remember prophet Elisha? He was the second prophet. You know, there was Elijah and then there was Elisha, say Right? And so there was Elijah. And Elijah had this personal battle going on with this man by the name of Ahab, who was the king of Israel, who had married Jezebel. And Jezebel's a witch from up north. And, and so now the, the kingdom is now caught under the trap of Jezebel, who is overruling Ahab the king. And the prophet Elijah is in a battle with him. Anybody know this story? And he would pray and the fire would fall and then it would rain. And then he ran and Jezebel threatened him and he ran for cover. You, remember, you know this story? This is a whole Bible all in one message. And, and, and so Elijah the prophet, he is fighting Ahab and this witch named Jezebel. And now his protege, now Elisha, is an old man. And Jezebel is still around. Say with me, Jezebel. Principalities and powers and rulers of witness in high places, they still are around. And they play with stuff in the spirit. And they uh, rise to places of authority and they control the king. And Jezebel's still there. But Elisha, the protege of the first prophet, is now here. And, and he wakes up one day and he looks at his servant. And in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 3, he said, Take a flask of oil and go pour it on Jehu's head and say, I, the Lord, have anointed you king over Israel. And I love this line. And then open the door and run and do not delay. <laughs> I want you to take this anointing. I want you to go pour it over Yehu's head. And then I'm telling you, you need to get out of there. I, it's no wonder some people are afraid of the anointing, the presence of the Christ. Because I'm telling you, when the presence and the anointing of Christ comes, 
stuff's going to happen. And the anointing, he said, go do that. So, old prophet who's dead, not dead, flew away. Second prophet who's now old uses a servant to take the oil and go find Yehu. And it's a box of oil, which is something like six quarts or six gallons. Can you imagine? I didn't use that little stuff that I prayed for you with. He took six gallons of oil and unprocessed and just poured it and ran. I'd run too. I mean, this is a captain of the army. I'd run too. Verse 10 says that Yehu received this word from the Lord. He said, the dogs will eat Jezebel on the plot of ground of Jezreel, and there will be nothing left to bury her. And he opened the door, and he ran. Verse 20. So Yehu went out and got in his chariot. And it was a real chariot. One of these things that, you know, like this. And probably, according to history, had six horses in front of it. And he's got six gallons of oil on him. And there's six horses, and they didn't have pavement in those days. So there's this oil that's on you, and you jump in this chariot with six steeds on a dirt road. And you take off to go about eight miles. And are, are you getting the picture? Can you imagine the dust that now is on the oil that is on you, and you're trying to drive a chariot with six horses? This was my first sermon. The very first sermon I ever preached. The only person. And, and, and the watchman of Jezebel is looking out. And the watchman turns and makes this statement in verse 20. He went up to them, and he's not coming back. And he is driving like Yehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. He drives like a wild Yehu. <laughs> I never knew where that came from. But if you had six quarts, gallons of oil poured over you, and all the dust hitting you in the face, and you're trying to control these teams of horses, I bet you'd go off the road too. See, some of you are sitting here, watch what happened this morning, you're thinking, they're nuts. But anytime the anointing gets on the dust of humanity, I promise you, you're now under the power of something other than yourself, and the world's going to think, you're driving crazy. But the story goes, the old prophet that's flown to heaven anointed the young prophet who's now an old prophet who uses a servant to go find Yehu and drop oil on him now runs up to this old witch and says, your days are done. And they threw her off and the horses trampled her to death. Say with me, powers, principalities. Rulers of witness, they are coming down because of the anointing of God. God may not have done it when Elijah said it or when Elisha was anointed, but I'm telling you, God remembers every word that he said and he will bring it to pass. And he'll do it through the wildest Yahoos you've ever seen. He'll use a bunch of 12 year old children. Do you know what went on in first service? About a half a dozen, eight or nine of those 13-year-olds came to first service. Amen. You know why they came to first service? Because they needed to be here to pray for people if people <laughs> needed prayer. Do you know at first service I didn't get to preach much because there's eight. How many of you showed up just to pray for people? Amen. Are you listening to me? See, this isn't about you coming to get something. This is about you bringing the anointing with you. 
and that if anybody stands here, bless God, it doesn't matter what pastor has to preach. It matters that the anointing of God Amen. could pull down strongholds and principalities, things that have limited not only me, but the entire county and the world. Yes. What do you think is going on in Ukraine? I think principalities and powers are coming down. Amen. I think there's a spiritual war that's taking place, and I think there's an anointing of God about to hit the world that's going to destroy these wicked areas, and they're going to come falling down, and people are going to go free. I think there's a revival coming. That's what I think. Well, should we be afraid? Why? we got a Yahoo driving this thing. <laughs> I'm speaking metaphorically, not hypothetically. See, hypothetically is something that may be, but a metaphor is a picture of what's really taking place. And what I just said is really taking place. And if it's taking place there, my suggestion this morning is it's taking place in you. My suggestion this morning is that those Jezebels that get in our head and tell us we don't matter, it never will, this healing stuff, I think those are coming down. And I think they're coming down because the anointing is getting in our eyes. And the dust is clouding us and all we know to do is hold on to these. I'm not making any sense. This is in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, which is a shadow and a type and a prophetic utterance of what takes place when the Spirit of the Lord has anointed the Christ, who is the Word become flesh. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jesus and He, be, he is the Christ, He is the revelation of God who is in heaven. And God says, I'm not going to send you any more letters or any more prophets. I'm just going to come do it myself. I'm just going to show up in the flesh and I'm going to show you what I'm really like. And can I tell you something? When, when God shows up and is authentic, religion doesn't like it. I mean, when God shows up to be God, the Pharisees did not like it. Because when God shows up, He doesn't care what your doctrine, your denomination, or your debate is about. He's showing up because there's people that need to go free. He's showing up because there's hurting Broken and blind and lame. He's not showing up to give you a session. He's showing up to set people free. Anytime the anointing, I've pastored a couple of revivals, anytime this begins to happen, it will offend that religious spirit. It will offend those belief systems that have been so settled in the certainty of their own theology about a God that they've never known. Oh, heavens forgive me. The Christ. I have found the Christ. I have found the one where the creator of heaven has been joined to his creation. They become one. They're union. They're demonstrated together. And see, Paul will later write that I come not among you with persuasive words, but in the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. This anointing that comes into our lives, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, and he went about doing good and healing all. This Christ... And John would later say, He has anointed you. You have an anointing. And this is the piece that most Christians have trouble recognizing is that you are anointed. That God has anointed you. And this anointing is not an oil poured over your head. But this anointing is the presence of the Christ that comes to live within. And the Christ in you is the very hope of glory. 
That's why Paul is so fascinated and he says, I labor in prayer until Christ is formed in you. So that your life becomes the manifestation of the Christ. So that your life looks like the anointing of Jesus. So that when people hear you talk and walk and touch other people, they go, there's the Christ. Am I making any sense yet? This is more than I get to go to heaven because I found Jesus. This is about how Christ is in me and it's heaven all the way to heaven. And it's the power and the presence of God that comes upon my life to do what I cannot do for myself. It's extraordinary. It's like Superman. Oh, come on. Or Cinderella. We love those stories, and it's our story. How the fairy godmother shows up and goes, ding, and the pumpkin becomes a chariot. How, how? How suddenly Superman wakes up and he's stronger than a speeding bullet. Right? Something like that. <laughs> or, or I see those are all old heroes. Give me some help here. What's the new Thor? I don't know. <laughs> Spider-Man, right? Iron Man. Superwoman. I don't know. Catwoman. I... See, inside of every one of us, we know... That there is this power that once it's turned on, we are more than our past. We are more than our behavior. We are, there's, there, and the Christ has come. And he defeats death. And he's resurrected. I'm convinced that if you don't know the story about how Christ came to free us from death, hell, and the grave, I am convinced that the root of all fear is the fear of death. That if you overcome the fear of death, your hangnail won't bother you. That if you overcome the fear of death, that taxes won't worry you. That if you overcome the fear of death, what Mima did to you will not matter. But that all fear is rooted according to scriptures, in the fear that when I die, it's over. And Christ, the anointed one, came to destroy the power of death. And when the power of death is destroyed on the inside of you, no wonder, Paul says, that I might know the power of the Christ and of his resurrection. See, if you live in the knowledge of the resurrection, when you read this thing, you'll read it differently. And when you look at your life, you'll look at it differently. Because you'll see it through the lens of someone that even though you die, you will live. You now face the trials and the tragedies and the traumas differently because you understand that you've come in contact with the resurrection you need to live that today. It is the anointing. And when I got wet, it was more than a testimony to you that I had accepted the Christ. The Bible says that if you're buried with him into the death of baptism, you are raised with the resurrection of life. Listen, I'm not going through some sort of formula so that you can see me get wet. I'm experiencing the death of Christ and the resurrection of the Christ so that I can walk in the power of the abundance of God. It's not something that I have to try to understand. It's something that I believe. I could show you in the scriptures where about 
18 times he said, we believe in the death and the resurrection. We believe in the one that raised Christ from the dead. And if he is thus raised, we are thus raised. And I'm living in that resurrection now. Oh, that's not something of Pentecostalism. That's not charismaticism. It's certainly not TV evangelism. It is the reality of the gospel. Anything less than that is not the gospel, but is a story about the gospel. We have been raised with Christ. No wonder Paul says, I count everything else as rubbish that I might have the Christ. <laughs> this life that is formed by the resurrected Christ. This life that now lives in me. Ooh. No wonder Paul says, I just forget the past. And I reach for the future. And I live in faith now. That is the gospel. And I'm telling you, I have watched it for nearly, nearly 40 years. That truth has been twisted by doctrines and denominations and debates. And for me, Paul said, I'll teach you what is of first importance. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ is coming again. And that Christ lives in me. And in you. And in you. And in you. What that does is free you from to perform. It changes the way you see others. Even those that have hurt you. It changes the way you see God. It changes the way you see yourself. It changes everything. And can I tell you something? It does it in an instant. It'll take you a lifetime to understand it. But it does it like that. Sometimes I hear people talk about how they've come to Jesus. And I think, yeah, I get it. But it had to have been a different Jesus. Because I knew that he loved me. They wouldn't leave me stuck in this. I've only got three minutes. Lord Jesus. My point is that in this season, as we move towards Easter, go ahead and accept the reality that Christ came to you. That he left heaven and he took the initiative and he came to you. And he came to you while you were lost and blind and broken. He didn't make you reach some sort of a, and then open your eyes. No, he came into the midst while you were yet a sinner. He did it. And then he got on a cross and he said, I finished it. Amen. It's done. Your salvation is done. It's done. Now, I've spent my whole life reminding myself to receive by grace that which he accomplished. Because now, there's a lot of, I, I can, do, I want you to think I did it. Because if you think I did it, you'll think I'm pretty good. You do know that's what religion in America is all about right now. Look at me, look what I've done. It's the celebrity 
What a joke. It's no longer I that live. For I was crucified with Christ. Oh, but it's Christ, Paul says, that lives within me. It's Christ who is forming you. You can do all things through Christ. Whew. This morning, for just a moment, could we just say thank you for the anointing that's in me? For the oil that's on my life. And sometimes I look like I'm driving furiously. But the truth of it is I have an appointment with a devil to destroy their hold upon the people that I love. You see, I might look like I'm nuts, but I have an appointment to tear down Jezebel's third generation work. Elijah prophesied it. Elisha kept holding on to the word and he gave it to them. But I'm the one that's been anointed to destroy the things that have kept people in bondage in this county. Oh, you're not listening to me. Are you here this morning to go free or to set somebody else free? Are you here this morning in the knowledge that you are living in the resurrection and that that resurrection is on the inside of you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and greater things will you do than Jesus has done and that we can rise up and be confident and bold and courageous and co oh my God, I, I got to watch. It's 12 o'clock. Ding, 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 ding. Come back next week. Oh, just touch your heart. I am one. In whom Christ lives. Look, this is better than a motivational speech. I am one. Let me get my hands on something. Let me face something this morning that I can tear down the limitations. Well, Father's house, that's our assignment. Set people free. Amen. Don't stand there and talk about them, what they should have, could have, might or ought to or shouldn't. Just set them free. Pete hollered it in the midst, right? You heard just all over in a corner. Free! You are free. Every one of you in this room are free of sin. You're free of it. You're free of it. You're free of it. You're free of it. It's religious people that keep talking to you about your past behavior. Those are religious people. They're Pharisees. Just walk away. Just ask God to throw them to the dogs. No. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Say it with me. Devil, let go. Let go of Cousin Bill or Aunt Bob. I don't know. Devil, let go of my mind. I want that stronghold down. Aren't you? Listen, we're not at the mercy of the devil. The devil's at the mercy of us. We're not the devil of our history. We're not, we're not in bondage to our history. Listen, you want to compare histories? I love it when people compare histories. Yeah, but did you do this? Oh, shut up. Why don't you do testimony service? Because I'm tired of hearing how bad you were. I can remember the day I stood there and she was standing there praying for somebody's hemorrhoids. I, we done. We done. I heard all about. 
how much we wrestled with. I'm not wrestling with the devil. I'm going to demand him to let go of you. I don't have to raise my voice. I don't have to get loud. Just speak to that mountain. Throw that little rock at that giant. Pick up that jawbone. Oh, come on. You're not getting... There, there's sometimes I, I, I'm standing in the middle of something and I'm just going... They think I've gone silly. You know what I'm doing? I'm swinging that jawbone. Because just a minute, I'm going to hit this thing right in the mouth. <laughs> Come on, so you, need, you need to learn this. You're going to walk into that area and you're going to pull down that stronghold. And... Amen. Hmm. Hallelujah. Just drive like a Yahoo. Just drive like a man and woman that's been anointed with the oil of God. And though the dust of the world will come to blind you, you just trust He'll take you right to that spot and release that prophetic word that was spoken three generations ago. Do you understand that Yehu is actually the fourth generation of that word? That if there's anything that happens in my life, it's because somebody back there held on to that word. Held on to that word. And I get to stand here and go, hmm. Just close your eyes. If you feel inclined, lift a hand. Lord, pour out your fresh anointing. Within and without. Hallelujah. Lord, let every soul in this room operate in that anointing to defeat those things that have limited them. Let them operate in the anointing that would defeat communities, nations. Hallelujah. Free your people, Lord. Not just free of their own limitations, but free them to free others. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Say with me, I'm free to set others free. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.